0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. In 2021, Sam King co-founded Brink, a company that uses natural language processing to empower the transformation to a carbon-neutral economy. Sam has extensive experience in data science and machine learning from his work with companies in London and Berlin. He is very involved in the climate tech community, and in today's program, we're going to talk with Sam about Brink's vision for a green future and how machine learning can help accomplish it. Hello, Sam, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast.
1: Hello, Paul. It's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, it's our pleasure to have you join us today and let's begin our conversation with a European Union regulatory level set for our listeners. What is the EU taxonomy and what new regulatory challenges does it pose for companies and financial institutions in the EU and in the US?
1: Yeah right uh, yeah great question and maybe for some of you folks in the US it might be uh, might be worth having a bit of a refresher on on what's going on over this side of the pond so the the eu taxonomy is part of a wide set of Um, an ambitious set of regulations that are coming out um, under the EU Green Deal, which are intended to provide a framework for transitioning the whole European economy to a sustainable way of doing things by 2050. The the EU taxonomy itself is is part of that whole framework um, and kind of sets out a common uh, language to identify sustainable activities, uh, which are called eligible activities. And then for each of those eligible activities sets out a technical set of criteria for what can and can't be considered truly sustainable um, for for, for each of them. So maybe to give an example of that, um, uh, the manufacture of batteries is one of about 100 sustainable activities identified in the taxonomy. But within that activity, there's a number of legal criteria around proof that you're actually reducing greenhouse gas emissions, uh, proof that you're not producing other harmful pollutants and that the the materials it's made of are are recyclable. So it kind of sets out a framework for actually identifying sustainable activities. But I think the the crucial uh, innovation here is that it also asks companies to Map that sustainability assessment directly onto their financial data. So you need to come up with your eligibility and alignment score as a percentage of your overall revenue, uh, capital expenditure, and and OPEX. So. Maybe to give one other uh, example, if you were a, a car manufacturer that produces both you know, fossil fuel cars and also has an electric vehicle fleet, you might have all the great uh, PR and marketing in the world to talk about the second one. But if you know the majority of your revenue and all of your investment really goes into still fossil fuel based uh, uh, cars, then your score would remain low. So it's an attempt to really allow uh, comparing apples to apples and be able to tie that directly to your finances. And so the purpose of the taxonomy is really twofold. One is to prevent greenwashing, so to prevent uh, companies just saying they're sustainable but don't have anything to back it up. The other uh, purpose, which is uh, an exciting one, is as a framework for accessing green capital as well. So uh, as a framework to be able to, really compare which assets are more sustainable um, and use that to to um, yeah leverage green financing.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I want to come back to the green financing part of the answer that you've just shared with us. But I think that's, fair. that's a, about as much as I can absorb, I know, and I don't know about all our listeners, but uh, that's Ooh. a very good start to this conversation. Now, I want to incorporate the role of artificial intelligence and what that plays, what role that place to speed up the adoption of climate regulations like the EU taxonomy, uh, which, uh, as you've already mentioned, there are climate focused regulatory aspects of that taxonomy, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that that also relates to uh, the first part of your question on the challenges around that. So. I think the, the taxonomy is a really ambitious and, and potentially impactful uh, regulation, but it's pretty massive in scope. It covers not just you know climate um, uh, mitigation and adaptation, but soon to also cover things like biodiversity and pollutants and, and water. Um, and that also means that there's pretty extreme uh, data granularity requirements to actually prove your um, credentials under that. Um, and finally, you know, maybe last but not least. The onus of doing that assessment means that redoing your assessment annually or quarterly or even sub-quarterly can become incredibly costly if you're doing this all manually. And I think that's where the role of AI really comes in and what we're really excited at exploring at Brink. You know, overall, I think there's actually a a pretty uh, profound and interesting uh, connection with the ability of AI to um, automate processes at scale um, Mm -hmm. and the requirements for... uh, Climate change that we're able to transition our entire economy in just a few decades, and so I actually think that the use um, of of artificial intelligence to really um, exponentially speed up these processes is actually not a nice to have, but um, going to be a, a critical weapon in our in our arsenal. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can give a, a a couple of quick examples of you know where that applies directly to the the taxonomy. When we looked at this, we kind of saw um, lots of different potential applications of AI um, that kind of broadly map to Brink's uh, kind of short, medium and long term roadmap. But I think maybe one of the most impactful in, in the short term is the ability to use AI to gather evidence and map it to the appropriate places for actually conducting a taxonomy assessment. I mean, currently, this is basically done Fastly manually, right? With lots of analysts going through lots of documents, lots of financial records, trying to find the right pieces of ESG information and map it to the regulatory requirement. And I think this is not only um very slow, but also, you know, frankly, pretty boring, right? Like it's it's a it's a real slog of work. And it turns out this is actually one of the areas where AI can um not only automate this process, you know, at scale much faster, but also more accurately. Um so the ability to kind of collect, organize, and map data, I think, is one of the clear areas where AI can have a real impact here.
0: That's great uh, to, to hear that, Sam. So we're talking about AI contributing to the not just the speed of how this kind of analysis can be done, which obviously uh, allows uh, human capital to be spent in other ways and directed to other focuses within a firm but at the same time, more accurately. um, And that is part of this uh, whole process around the taxonomy is the accuracy of of the data that we're using, right? Because then what we're going to go back to for a moment is the access to green capital. Because if we know that the data is more accurate and it's being produced faster on a regular basis, within a company or for a company through services like yours then that should make those companies more eligible for access to green capital if i'm correct
1: yeah i think that's exactly right and this move away from relying on kind of unreliable proxy data which has been like a big you know trend in esg previously to actually looking at the real hard facts it makes data and you know the the accuracy of it much higher, but it also means you need tools like extracting information automatically and mapping it to the right place to allow you to do that at the at the scale that we that we really need. And it, it also, your point is, I think, a particularly interesting one because it also brings down the the cost for smaller companies to do this, right? Maybe it's fine to, do a taxonomy assessment manually if you're a giant multinational and you have a whole team of people. But if you're a, you know, a small an SME in the space and you want to um, become taxonomy aligned so you can access green capital, that can be incredibly onerous. So I think technology really plays a role in making that um, accessible to more businesses.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, one of the other programs that we're recording today is with the chief financial officer from NL Americas, which uh, if people are familiar with NL, they're a, they're a European-based utility company, but they have operations all over the world, and they're rapidly building out their operations in in Central and South America. So now let's shift gears here a little bit, Sam, and focus on another part of this process, Uh, Which is natural language processing. Uh, And how does that contribute to the use case for artificial intelligence related specifically to climate technology, but maybe to other parts of the analytical process as well?
1: Yeah, um, and yeah. So, natural language processing (NLP). This is something very close to my heart. This is what my kind of background and career has been in previously. So, maybe just as a you know a quick refresher for folks who might have not come across this term before. Please. It's really the the you know the field of how do you get machines to understand and analyze human language and text data. You know, that, I think there's been amazing progress in that space by using machine learning. And that's where things like, you know, the Google search engine, for example, comes from. So I think most people, whether you're aware of it or not, are using lots of natural language processing applications every day. But I think that the really exciting point about applying natural language processing and natural language processing tools to uh, sustainable finance is it really solves that problem of how do you automate these processes which otherwise just really don't scale when you really look at where, ESG data lives, it doesn't, you know, f- financial data is, is uh, you know, notoriously structured and actually, you know, some of the very early use cases of relational databases come from finance, but ESG data, when you look where it really comes from, you know, it's in sustainability reports, it's in life cycle assessments and, and site, um, site assessments, you know, it's in websites and slide decks, it's all <laughs> over the place. And I think that's what in, in NLP we call highly unstructured data sources. And turns out that what natural language processing is really good at is being able to read all of that unstructured data, extract the relevant things from it, and then structure it um, to be able to actually analyze it. Um, so I think it's uh, yeah, natural language processing is really um, a key tool in being able to speed up and, and make climate regulations efficient, and that's basically exactly uh, what we're working on at Brink is being able to read through, like take large dumps of uh, documents and and web pages, extract relevant information for EU taxonomy assessments and map it to the right place, which obviously saves factors, folds of time for companies uh, trying to do this. And also has the nice attribute that it also means that we learn over time, that that model gets better over time and means that more people have better results um, going forward. So everyone doesn't have to start from scratch every time.
0: (laughs) That's really, that's great. That's great news. And I want to just offer a a perspective uh, on a type of data that um, might, this might be especially important to developing and using over time. And that is scope three emissions data, right? Because that's part of all the information that's out there in a supply chain and out there with consumers. But companies have not had any history really of tracking that kind of emissions data in the past, if I'm correct.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And yeah, I think, you know, scope three and supply chain emissions and ESG data in general is at the frontier of, of challenges in, in this space. But it's also, you know, a place where natural language processing can play a significant role too. Like, for example, we work with customers who are trying to understand the taxonomy eligibility and alignment of their suppliers and their customers. So, you know, people downstream in the chain, you know, at that kind of scope three level and being able to extract the relevant information from the from the documents that do exist about those companies or that they're able to provide can again, like make this process, which would otherwise be incredibly unscalable and painful, achievable at the kind of scales that you're talking about when you're talking about not just yourself, but, you know, your hundreds of suppliers or hundreds of customers.
0: Okay. So now, what do you see sam as current and important trends in climate regulation globally let's expand now let's look at the whole planet
1: yeah no uh, (laughs) a great and a big question i think that like one of the biggest trends that that we see is this idea that we've talked about a bit around Co- governments trying to leverage finance and capital markets to actually push towards a, a more sustainable world. So yeah, I, I think the title of your podcast is a very good one and something that uh, was it was a good pick because I think this trend of using frameworks like the taxonomy to steer private capital into into sustainable activities and really being able to define you know what is and is not included there in a robust way is is, is a real big trend and one that I don't think is going any other way. And and I think that relates um interestingly too to sort of just the expansion of that idea globally so i know that there's versions of the taxonomy either implemented or being planned in um, dozens of countries now from kind of south korea to canada but i think you know maybe the one of the the biggest ones there is the, the chinese taxonomy which is heavily based on the european taxonomy and of course has the potential to really move the move the dial there within such a large uh, economy in the world, and maybe last but but not least, and if, you know, of course, I would say this, but I think digitization and technology is one of the other like really big trends. If you look at the scope and complexity of the regulatory framework now, it's hard to imagine how it's going to be possible to achieve this in the time frame we want to without support, deep support of technology to help gather and organize and uh, automate a lot of the data processes that we need.
0: You know, Sam, I'm gonna put you on the spot for just a second because I wanna recruit you and everybody (laughs) in your network to collaborate with us at the sustainable finance podcast around globalization of, of providing this kind of data i completely agree with you that there's no way that we're going to accomplish these these objectives unless we all come together over time and figure out ways across countries and across regions of the world to Participate together in the data collection and distribution process. So I'm holding you to that for the future. Okay?
1: <laughs> oh, sign us up. I think it's a, I think that it's crucial, and we'd love to be a part of that.
0: Great. So now let's give our listeners, as we move towards the end of the program today, a couple of good sources for entry-level understanding of artificial intelligence and natural language processing research so they can do their own homework before they come to someone like you with questions.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, of course, I think, you know, the internet is (laughs) uh, riddled with online resources in this topic, but uh, Maybe to name a few, I think, uh, you know, I personally read a lot of newsletters, things like Towards Data Science, uh, KD Nuggets, um, a lot of the O'Reilly data books are really great. One of our advisors, uh, Tobias Sturbeck, has a great newsletter on NLP research um, in particular. And uh, the the Berlin AI campus, which is where Brink is is based, has some really great newsletters and talks on um, the future of AI. Although maybe if I could recommend one thing, there's a... a, um, organization called um, CCAI, Climate Change AI, which, which um, published a paper which sort of lays out all of the different areas where AI and machine learning can have an impact on climate change and sustainability. It's, it's, it's a very important and, and accessible paper. And if anyone is interested, I think it's you know it's available publicly on the website. So it's, a, it's a really a great read and a great place to start thinking about this, I think.
0: You know, if you would, Sam, could you send us a list of links which we will attach to, the, to this podcast program in the um, Bright Talk channel so that our listeners can access those links for their own research. And it'd be great to have those from you uh, as a follow up to our conversation today. So Sam, where online can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about Brink? And how can they get in touch with you about the topics that we've discussed in today's program?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, probably the easiest way is on our website. So that's brink.com with with two eyes. So B-R-I-I-N-K. Um And uh, if you want to get in contact with me, my email is sam at brink.com. I would love to um, uh, hear from you.
0: Great. So thank you very much, Sam King, co-founder and chief technology officer, right, of Brink. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis. This is the Sustainable Finance Podcast.